welcome to this peer voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash J-U-W. This activity is supported by an unbiased educational grant from Insight Biosciences International, Saal. Hello, this is Gilles Saal from Memorial St. Catherine Cancer Center in New York, United States. Welcome to this activity titled Differentiating Decisions in Transplant Ineligible Relapse or Refractory DLBCL. What are our options and how do we choose between them? In this first presentation titled Current Challenges in Managing RRDLBCL, What are our options for SCT ineligible patients? We'll review the burden of disease faced by people with relapsed refractory DLBCL particularly for those ineligible for stem cell transplant and the different treatment options available to them. We do know that we cure about 60 to 70% of patients with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, and most of this cure is achieved with first-line therapy. Clearly, when patients fail and progress, the chance of being cured remain limited. We know that over time, there is a different risk of relapse. Most of the relapse have occurred usually early after completion of RCHOP, either because patients were not responding to RCHOP or because they were relapsing earlier. If they achieve a second remission, there is still a significant risk of relapse after that. Patients may have different risk of relapse according to their initial characteristics. We do know that patients with advanced stage, patients with a poor performance stages, high LDH, external size. In summary, patients with a high IPI have a higher risk of relapse than others, and this translates obviously in a lower chance of survival after two years. Early relapse are also associated with a poor survival and in data from the randomized phase three Gaia, Goya, in patients with DLBCL receiving first-line chemotherapy plus rituximab or obinutuzumab, we do see that patients who are refractory or progress within 12 months have a very dismal outcome with less than 20% of them being alive three, four years later. So clearly early relapses are poor prognosis. And we learned from the SCHOLAR-1 study that patients who have failed autologous stem cell transplant or failed to go to autologous stem cell transplant are ineligible for autologous stem cell transplant also have an uh, overall survival of about 20% at two years. A few years ago, the options for this patient were very limited. And as outlined in this ESMO guideline, patients who are not suitable for high-dose therapy will eventually benefit from some regimens such as RGMOX or single-agent therapy, and clinical trials will be preferable. The data from RGMOX are well known, and only one-third of patients achieve a response. And in patients that were previously exposed to rituximab, the median PFS is about four months, and for those patients refractory, probably even less. So the options for this patient have evolved over the years, moving from immunochemotherapy to CAR T-cell therapy, 
colatuzumab vedotin plus BR, tafacitumab lenalidomide, lonkastuximab tesserine, or more recently by specific antibodies. The algorithm of treatment has changed in 2022, moving the category of patients uh, with early relapse as eligible for CAR T cell rather than eligible for autotransplant. But there remain a very large group of patients that is not eligible for CAR T cell, not eligible for autologous stem cell transplant. Among the new options that have been recently available is polatuzumab vedotin, an antibody drug conjugate targeting the antigen CD179B expressed in the vast majority of B-cell malignancies. As any ADC, the antibody binds to the surface of the cell, is then internalized and released within the cell where it disrupts the microtubule spindle leading to the apoptosis of the cell. A study combining polatuzumab vedotin with bendamustine rituximab has shown superiority of this triple combination as compared to bendamustine rituximab in patients with relapse or refractory DLBCL. Very different mechanisms of action are involved in the activity of tafacitamab, an original CD19 antibody which has been glycoengineered to improve antibody-dependent cellular cytotoxicity and cellular phagocytosis. Given this mechanism of activity, the combination with lenalidomide, known to improve the activity of cytotoxic cell, in particular NK cell, was very logical. This was a rationale of the L-MIND study, where patients were exposed with this two drug during one year and then consolidated with CD19 tafacitamab single agent. Patients responding have experienced a very prolonged response with a median duration of response not achieved, giving promising features for this combination in this setting. Lonkastuximab tesserine is another antibody drug conjugate that targets also CD19, but release a different toxin, a PBD, within the cells. This is an intercalating agent, and some promising results have been shown with this antibody, which is now available. Finally, several CAR T-cell therapy have been available for patients who are not eligible for autologous stem cell transplant, they are direct and against CD19. There are different mode of actions or rather different particularity, which may explain a little bit of different efficacy and safety. But they provide a 40 to 60% complete response rate with an acceptable tolerability. So in summary, the treatment of patients with relapse or refractory ADLBCL who are not transplant eligible remains clearly challenging. And this is sometimes because these patients are older, they often carry comorbidities, and most of them become chemorefractory over the different line of therapy. The standard cytotoxic regimen have a limited efficacy, usually in less than six months, and the median overall survival of these patients is more counting in weeks or months rather than years. Furthermore, conventional treatment exposed to multiple toxicity carrying a significant burden for patients and for their caregivers. So clearly new treatment options and new approach, less toxic and more efficacious are needed for this patient. Thank you for listening 
and stay tuned for the second presentation. Welcome to this peer voice activity on diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Gilles Sal. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, this is Gilles Sal from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, New York. In the second presentation titled, How do we choose between options? Navigating treatment decision in transplant ineligible relapsed refractory DLBCL will review factors that should influence decisions in treatment selection and treatment sequencing when managing patients with relapsed refractory DLBCL that are transplant ineligible. We have seen that there are a couple of options for those patients that are not candidate for autologous stem cell transplant, and we'll come to details the mechanism of action, efficacy, and safety of this option. Polatuzumab vedotin was added to bendamustine rituximab in relapsed refractory DLBCL. And the combination of this antibody drug conjugate with chemotherapy and immunotherapy resulted in an overall response rate of 45% and a CR rate of 40%, which was significantly superior to that achieved with bendamustine rituximab alone. This translated in an improvement of progression-free survival for the patient receiving the trumpel combination. This also has resulted in an improved overall survival for those patients receiving POLA-BR with a median overall survival of 12 months as compared to less than five months for those receiving BR. An extension of the study was published summarizing and recapitulating the study of the randomized phase two study with a median PFS of 6.6 .6 months and a median overall survival of 12.5 months. The safety of this regimen is satisfactory, the major side effects being neutropenia or thrombocytopenia, which were of grade 3-4 in about 40% of the patient. Patients also eventually experience fatigue infections, and the rate of neuropathy was low, essentially low grade. In the L-MINE study that combined tafacitamab and lenalidomide in patients with relapsed refractory DLBCL, the overall response rate was of 60%, with 42% achieving a CR. To further assess the value of tafacitamab as compared to lenalidomide only, a REMIND study was performed comparing patients that received the combination in the trial versus patients receiving only lenalidomide in real life. And the best overall response rate was doubled for those patients receiving the combination as compared to those receiving lenalidomide only with also a CA rate coming from 13% to 39.5%, clearly demonstrating the value of adding tafacitamab in this combination. With three years of follow-up, a regimen that has proven to prolong the uh, survival of patients with relapsed refractory DLBCL, and also offer to patients who responded to this regimen a significant prolongation of response eventually 
with a recent five-year update suggesting the possibility of cure. When this treatment was applied in patients who had failed only one line of therapy, the median duration of response was of 44 months and the median PFS of two years, all these data being superior as compared to when tafacitamab lenalidomide was administered in later lines of therapy. Patients with a lower IPI appeared to benefit better than those with a higher IPI, but age or refractoriness to the last treatment didn't appear to influence the outcome of this patient. When looking at the safety of this regimen, there were some hematological toxicities that were significant when there was a combination of tafacitamab and lenamidomide during the first 12 months of the study, with a significant number of patients having neutropenia, anemia, or thrombocytopenia, and the management needed to monitor blood counts and potentially supporting patients with transfusion. There were a few rashes and GI disorders easily manageable. But later on, when patients received tafacitamab single-agent consolidation, this side effect became rare and the treatment was well tolerated. Comparing to other regimen in the REMIND2 study, it appeared with this indirect comparison that tafacitamab lenalidomide was at least as good, if not better, than polatuzumab BR or rituximab lenalidomide and may offer to some patients an outcome that can be interesting when uh, compared to those receiving CAR T-cell. Loncastruximab tesserine had resulted in a response rate of 48% in patients with relapsed refractory DLBCL with a CR rate around 25%. The median PFS for this patient receiving this regimen was of 4.93 months and the median duration of response of 10 months, suggesting a good activity of this regimen in those patients. The common side effect encountered with this drug were elevation of gamma-glutamyl transferase, hematological toxicity, sometimes of grade three or four, low level edema, and photosensibilization. We do know that the CAR T-cell therapy allows to uh, cure about 30 to 40% of patients and provide to patients a real hope for cure. However, we do know also that these drugs are associated with logistical constraints on toxicity, with the time of manufacturing, the eligibility, the bridging chemotherapy, resulting all also after the infusion of CAR-T in a risk of uh, neurological events, CRS, as well as cytopenia. There is also an infectious risk associated with this treatment which is only delivered in specialized center. Newcomers in the field are bispecific antibodies, which has been made available very recently, such as glofitamab and eproritamab, which had resulted in phase two study in a novel response rate ranging from 52 to 63 percent and a complete response rate of 39 percent. But these drugs are companies with a cytokine release syndrome that appears shortly after the infusion and need a specific management and prophylaxis and eventually hospitalization of the patient. When we discuss of practical consideration regarding the treatment of patient with relapsed refractory DLBCL, we do know that when patient had failed chemotherapy, 
immune interventions such as CAR T cell, tafacitamide, linalidomide, or bispecific antibodies represent now promising alternatives rather than repeating cytotoxic chemotherapy. For instance, the efficacy of CAR T cell and tafacitamide linalidomide appears superior when they are applied in second line after failing one line of chemotherapy rather than in third line. Besides the access to specialized centers and the logistical constraints associated, still a substantial number of patients are not eligible for cellular therapy, whether autologous stem cell transplant or CAR T cell, based on age and comorbidities. And unfortunately, more than 50% of the patients who have received CAR T cell still experience disease recurrence. Patients may obviously express preferences regarding the risk-benefit associated with this different therapy, such as infection, cytotoxicities, and other side effects, as well as a need for hospitalization. Recent exposure to bendamustine appears to reduce the efficacy in CAR T cell. The opportunities to sequence different CD19-directed therapies, however, remain incompletely characterized. Loss of expression of CD19 has not been reported yet after exposure to lancastuximab or tafacitamab, while CD19 antigen masking may occur, persisting for a few weeks and allowing to respect a few-week interval between tafacitamab infusion and CAR-T infusion. However, the prognosis of patients failing CAR-T cell therapy remains poor, particularly for those patients who did not achieve a CR sports CAR. And again, immune-based interventions such as bispecific antibodies or tafacitamab lenalidomide represent a reasonable option for these patients. Patients and disease characteristics may help to identify patients who will benefit from available options, will help to optimize the sequencing of this option, and work is ongoing to identify clinical and molecular markers to select treatment for individual patients. The rational combination of these novel agents will also likely to be required to improve response rate and achieve durable remission. I thank you for attending this activity. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.